Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Messy Walk Podcast. We're going to continue our series where me, the rookie pastor, Matt, asks the veteran pastor. That's at, me, I'm me. <laughs> Adam, some good questions, especially ones that I feel like I need to know, especially I've, this is my first real gig in ministry. Yeah. I'm eight months in now and I have a bunch of questions. I may wear Adam out with all these questions, <laughs> but now I'm using the podcast to put them on the spot. That's so. it. <laughs> and last week we we asked him a good question. It was, how many times have you wanted to quit ministry? Yes. And I, I feel like that was a great one. I got to learn a lot. Listen yeah, I really liked that episode. Um, I like answering that question because I think a lot of times people aren't real honest about that when they ought to be, especially in the church. So sometimes there's this weirdness of pastors feeling like they need to be like, no, I, I've never wanted to quit. I could never quit on God, you know, and I just don't think it's true. And so where the, whether you are a pastor, per se, or a ministry leader of any capacity at all, or let's just pull out of that, any leader at all ever, um, don't be fooled. Every leader has wanted to quit sometimes, many times, lots of times. I think my answer was Lots of times. Yes. Right? I mean, like every Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, everybody wants to quit. You're not alone in that. And so so when it comes to this type of series we're doing, I mean, Matt's asking me ministry-related questions, right? Because we're both pastors, and this is a podcast about our walk with Jesus, right? And so it makes sense. But whether you're a leader in any capacity, this stuff will apply to you too. So if you find yourself as a newbie in a leadership position – I think these questions will help, but if you also you might find yourself as a veteran in these positions, and I still think these these questions will help you greatly. So, yes. um, the first one: I mean, Have you ever wanted to quit? Absolutely, and that was a good episode. That was what that was episode ninety six. Ninety six, yes. And today is ninety seven, right? So number two in the series, like like Matt said, and so um, I'm excited to do it. Let's just do it. We've got me and Matt know all the questions we're going to ask, and so I think we have finally settled on the fact that this will be twelve episodes long yes. so this will be a 12 episode series so yes. today we're going to tackle the second question matt shoot what's the second All question right, second question is do you regret any of the ministry moves you've made do i regret any of the ministry moves i've made Oh my goodness! This yeah. is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> yeah, today's going to be a long podcast. Um, all right, once again, once again, I think there is a temptation in leaders and especially pastors to um, be fake and act like we don't have things that we regret. Right. So let's just dispel that right off the bat. That's not true. Um, we definitely have. Regrets, and I think that also, you know how you see like, you know, people like live with no regrets, live with no regrets. Well, that's a great thing to say to do, but it's very yeah. hard to actually do. You know, you know how you see those people they get the no regrets tattoo, and the tattoo says no regrets. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Mess that one up. <laughs> um, I think that kind of sums it up. Or like maybe can, the Super Bowl before the, <laughs> they actually won the Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> I think tattoos. you can say no regrets, but it's like getting a no regrets tattoo. You're still yeah. going to have them. And when I say regrets, too, I also I don't mean like um, – I don't mean that, you know, you sit around and, and just – 
moan and groan over them for the rest of your life. You know, you can have things that you regret, like I wish I didn't do that, but still know that in God's sovereignty and in God's providence, it still worked out for my good because yes. I love I love Jesus, right? And so mm-hmm. he's working those things together for it. And so you can look back on your life and go, all right, these are the things I regret doing, but I've seen God work through them and move through them, so I wouldn't necessarily change them, right? Yeah. So um, do I regret any of the ministry moves that I've made? Absolutely. Lots and lots and lots of them. I can't even count them. Um, there are all kinds of things that we, we that we do in ministry or you do in leadership that later on you're older, you know better, you've seen things, and you're like, man, I wish we wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have thought that way. I wish I wouldn't have seen that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you you know this from being a father, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're a father of four. I'm a father <laughs> of three. Um, I joke that Matt's a father of 12, but it's really only four kids. <laughs> Feels so, like 12. It's only one more than me. Um, but, uh, you know, you know that, like, as you get more seasoned as a father, you realize you're like, man, I wish we'd have done things differently in this particular aspect with my oldest or whatever. Because, yeah. Because you don't know what you don't know until you know it. Mm-hmm. And I so I think that there's always things that we would regret, but that doesn't mean that we sit around just, you know, worried about them for the rest of our lives and, you know, letting it devastate us. I think we have to trust the sovereignty of God to come along beside us and the Holy Spirit to move and make those things work long term. So we end up looking back and going, I wouldn't change it. I wish I didn't do it, but I wouldn't change it. Yeah, I've seen how sense. God's worked. You know what I'm saying? So so when we talk about these, yes, I have tons of ministry moves that I regret, but none really that, not none at least now that I'm sitting around like just really worried about all the time. Um you know, there used to be a time where that was a case where yeah. I would, I would be tempted. The perfectionist in me would be tempted to let that mistake define me, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I couldn't get past it. And it was always like, why? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Now, now not as much. You know, so I still, yes, I still regret them. I still wish we would have done them, but um, they're not defining who I am, and I'm not sitting around. It's not lingering. You know, constant creating constant doubt and shame in my life. And I think that that's living free in the Lord. Being free in Jesus is not living in that shame and regret. Even though that you did some stuff that you wish you wouldn't have done, you don't have to live in that shame and regret. So, um, but you want me to be specific. So um, (laughs) I'm going to give you some some specifics. So um, ministry moves that I've made that I regret, here's here's probably the biggest one. And it's come up multiple times. Like none of these are going to be individual events. Um, Probably the biggest one is moving people into leadership too fast. Um, you know, when you are when you are young yourself, when you don't know exactly what you're doing, um, when you start something new, you tend to move people into leadership roles quickly based on maybe their skill level or their enthusiasm, right, yeah. instead of on their character um, and instead of on who God wants in the role, not who you want in the role. Yeah. Um, and, and it takes time to figure those things out. And so um, I do regret in many instances moving people into leadership roles too quickly. That makes sense. Because I didn't take time to – it was just one of them things where it was like, okay, get, get somebody in this role and let's move on. Let's keep this thing moving. Like just check the box, right? And, yeah. and that's a danger for us as Christians all the time, isn't it? The check the box danger. You know, mm-hmm. the, the danger of, well, I read my Bible, check. Right. Yes. <laughs> I prayed, check. You know, I did all those things, check. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to live in because it's not about just getting the thing done. And I regret many times of moving people into leadership way too fast um, that they weren't necessarily ready for at the moment or 
I, I didn't take time to view and watch them as a Christ follower and, and uh, their integrity. Um, it was they can do the work. They're smart. They're, they're ready. They're excited. They're available. Throw them into it. Um, whereas, you know, it might have been better if that wasn't the case, right? Did so, you ever feel like the crunch of having that that void within your church and then you know and you had to fill the position in a hurry? Many times. And down to that maybe could have many affected times, your decision Many too. times. And so you move quicker. Um, you move faster. And you shouldn't. Like, I think it's Craig Rochelle that says this, that, um, and, and so does my one of my mentors, Sean Lovejoy. Um, he says this as well. Um and you know Craig Rochelle is a pastor of Life Church um, here in America and a leadership guru. Guru, um, that's, Life Church is the fa- biggest, fastest growing church in America for yes. the most part, or has been for a long time. And Sean Lovejoy used to be a pastor of a large church, but is a um, works m- mentors and pastors, coaches pastors, right? So um, he has a group that's called Courage to Lead um, and Courageous Pastors. And so anyway, he was my mentor before he ever started any of that, and. Both of them have said, so I don't know who actually said it, so we just credit both of them, <laughs> that it's better to have an um, empty position than to have a position filled with the wrong person. Yeah, right? that's You're better good. off having an empty position for an extended period of time versus having a position filled by the wrong person. And I, uh, I didn't prescribe to that a lot of times. It was, yeah. let's fill the void, like you just said. Let's get somebody in there. Let's just do this thing. And that wasn't fair to them. Because they weren't spiritually ready for it, and it wasn't fair to me, it wasn't fair to the church, you know that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. um, and it didn't make sense, and it wasn't also leaning on God enough for that, you know, and so, um, and I and I didn't agree. I felt like no, it's worse to not have somebody in this, yeah, yeah. right, than to have the wrong person, and so, um, but you know, come to find out, you need time to be able to effectively watch somebody. I don't mean in some weird way. I mean, mm-hmm. just know who they are, know their character. Because at the end of the day, I have found that through through a bunch of regret, um, or re- regret, <laughs> I have found that uh, that the character of a person is so much more important in leadership, especially church leadership, yes, than their competency. Um, like... We can teach competency. Mm-hmm. We can teach skills. There are schools for it. There's trainings for it. There's yes. conferences for it. There's books for it. I mean, you may never be the most skilled person, but you can learn it, right? Yeah. Um, but it's real hard to teach character. Um, character is developed through the Holy Spirit's working in our life, um, through the us putting on the nature of Christ and taking off our old self, and it's its spiritual maturity that happens with it. And so, I would I would used to plug positions based on competency. Yeah. Um, and then I would think to myself that I'm a good enough pastor or leader to help them grow into the character they need. Yeah. Um, and that that would all work out fine. And in reality, it should have been flip flopped. It should have mm-hmm. been. Um, they have the character for this, that they're godly and they really are who they say they are and they're walking this thing out with Jesus for real and whether or not they have the exact skill set for that particular, you know, volunteer position. And most of what I'm talking about here is volunteer leadership position. Yeah. So the vast majority of what I'm talking about is anybody who's listening right now who's a Christ follower, you um, you should be 
um, serving in your local church. Yes. And the mass majority of the spots that you're serving in your local church are volunteer positions. These are not paid professional you know, ministry positions. That's the ones I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. So it supplies to everybody. Um, you know, I, I have done this a couple of times erroneously with staffing, but you know, character is so much more important. It is. Um, and what I should have saw is the opposite. I should have saw the character is the most important. Do they have the character? Yes. And then I can help them develop the competency and mm-hmm. the skills. Right. Um, and so that's been a, that's been a big, that's been a big regret. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do that the whole time. That's been a big regret, yeah. um, uh, you know, just of moving too fast. And you experienced this, like yes. you've come in on the end of us figuring this out. Yeah, y'all did right? a good job with me. Six right. six month process, and yeah, at least. And yeah. that, and, and you know, with yours, it's even harder. So, like when I'm talking about these other people, I'm talking about people that I'm hanging out with in church. And they're involved in the ministry. I'm I know them. I'm around them personally. With you, we were talking about a hire from further away, from somebody we didn't know, a blind, co- you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And so it's less time to even observe in those settings. And so um, those things are real important. Um, Sean Lovejoy, once again, my mentor, he says you fire fast, you hire slow. Yeah, right? that's a good concept. Um, v- versus the other way around. What yeah. people usually do is they hire fast, and then we, we fire slow. Mm-hmm. We take a long time moving somebody out of that position because – you know, we don't want it to hurt their feelings. We don't want it to affect them. We don't want to give up too soon. We don't want it to affect other people and you know all these things. Um, but what but what he says is is you fire fast when you know that 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 chemistry or that character is not working and you've tried. And not that you do it immediately or nothing. I mean, we're not pulling like a Google who just three weeks ago laid off like twelve thousand people. <laughs> Man, I couldn't imagine um, with barely an email mm. um, at the last second. You know, um, like not that, never that. Right, we as leaders and Christ followers should be so much better than that. Yes. Um, but what we mean is, is pull the bandaid off quick when it's something like that, because as it lingers, it begins to destroy other things. But the other side of that is to hire slow. Right, make sure that those things fit, those things mesh together, and that this person you're not setting up this person for failure. Yeah, like like I, it's my fault. You know, I'm the one who in, entrusted them with the position that I probably shouldn't have. And set them up to fail because their character was not going to sustain it. Yeah. You know, at least where they were at that point in their life. It was my fault, right? And what should have been served better is me saying, hey, I think that God wants to use you in this at some point in time. Yeah. But here's A, B, and C that if you don't get these things into into more aligned with what the scriptures call or more in line with you know, being a mature follower of Christ, you won't be able to do these things no matter how good your skills are mm-hmm. um, because it takes that real authenticity to make that happen. You know what I mean? And, and you got to believe, you got to believe in what you're doing. You got to actually be it, right? Yeah. Before you can be a serving part of the body, you got to actually be part of the body. That's right. To be part of the body, you got to be a, a, a bought, you know, born again, whatever words you want. You, you got to be a follower of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got to have, he's got to have your soul. He's got to have your life. And before you can go lead somebody else into doing any of that. Um, and, and 
and there's a level of maturity that needs to be there that might not be there. So yeah, well, um, wouldn't you think that yeah. same concept applies that you know in order to follow Jesus, you need to be trainable and teachable. Absolutely. And then if you are going to learn from a mentor or or a minister, you need to be teachable and trainable Absolutely. in the same manner. I mean, that's the biggest part of our the biggest impediment to our spiritual growth. Period. Any of us is our teachability. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yes, you've been redeemed and bought by the blood. Absolutely. Nothing's going to change that. You're already, I've been saying this a lot lately because I've been teaching on it. (laughs) You're already seated in the heavenly realms is what Mm -hmm. the scripture tells us, right? But we're in the already not there yet part of this thing. So we get to walk out this salvation daily. It's already done. Yes, it's already there. But you are not the, in every aspect of your life, the Christ follower you ought to be. And so the Holy Spirit is molding you into that as Mm -hmm. we speak, right? Every single day. And so what you are trying to do now is you, is you, you and I are walking in the second part of this piece of discipleship making. Like if you go to, if you go to, we've been talking about this a lot lately. Mm -hmm. If you go to, um, um, uh, the Great Commission, you see that Jesus, he's, he's resurrected, he's given them the marching orders for the church, right? And he's like, you know, you're going to go. He's got uh, all authority in heaven has been given to me. That's how it starts. And this is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, go and make disciples. You baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and then you teach them to obey everything I have commanded of you, mm-hmm. right? And then, lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age, even to the end of the world. So you and I, we're still in the discipleship process, right? Disciples are still being discipled. That's the whole point, right? And so we are still learning to obey everything about Jesus. We're learning to obey and follow and become everything that Jesus is. And so you and I are still in that. Mm -hmm. We're all still in that. So the number one impediment to us growing in that and being who Jesus is, is our teachability at any given moment. Yes. At any given moment, it's our teachability. Mm -hmm. How open are we to saying, you're right, I don't do this great, I am wrong at this, I do have blind spots, I want to be more like Christ, mold me, Holy Spirit, make me, lead me to be more like Jesus, Mm -hmm. and being open to the Holy Spirit telling you these things through somebody else. Yes. Because he often (laughs) does, right? He does. He often does. We did a a series not long ago, I don't know where it is, guys, you'd have to go back and look, Um, but we did a series on like how to hear from God couple, you know, probably 20, 30, 40 episodes ago. Um, and, and one of the big things was, is, you know, how do, how do you hear from God through the Holy Spirit? And, you know, of course you've got that inner small voice that you hear talking about. You've got the mm-hmm. conviction and the convincing and the empowering the Holy Spirit does. But a lot of times the way God confirms what he's telling you is, or the Holy Spirit confirms what he's telling you is through somebody else, yes, right? And so does. what you are feeling and sensing from the Spirit, all of a sudden he uses somebody else to confirm that in you, mm-hmm. right? And so you've got to be open to um, the people in your life that are discipling you, that are in leadership positions above you, um, that are further along on their walk with Christ than you are, right? Um uh, they are the, this is the way I say them in my life. They're the fathers I want to be. They're the husbands I want to be. They're the Christ followers I want to be. Yeah. Um, I got to be open to them when they go and, Hey, you need to work on this. Like then, then I need to be teachable. Right. So there's gotta be a teachability that's there for yes. sure. Great, great, Definitely. great part that you brought up. Um, can I say another one? Yeah. All right. All right. I have to ask Matt's permission. It's his, his, it's his podcast <laughs> that right now. So uh, I, I want to do another one. So so another one on this one. We'll, you know, then we'll close out and we'll go to another one. But 
Um, another ministry move I regret. So it's not just moving people in the leadership too fast. It's also not asking for help. Mm-hmm. So same kind of concept. We were just talking about teachability on my part. Yeah. Is spending way too much time trying to figure out stuff on my own instead of actually asking people for help. Um, I regret it and it, it's popped up constantly. So like the one I told you about just now about um, moving people in leadership t- too quick, that's been plenty of times. And this idea of not asking for help has been a lot of times too. Yeah, Lots of times where you go, you know, I need to know how to do this. I should figure this out. And then, you know, the enemy loves to do this too. too. Mm-hmm. The enemy loves to go, well, you know, a real pastor wouldn't know how to do this. Yep. And so don't tell anybody that you don't know how because you wouldn't be a real pastor and you're going to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the enemy does yeah. that crap, man. The enemy loves to do that to mamas does. and dads. Mm-hmm. I mean, mamas, think about that. How often does the enemy do that? Well, a real mom would already know how to do this. Mm-hmm. So you can't go ask somebody or ask for help or, or you know, or hire that out, right? No, because that. You wouldn't be, I mean, what kind of mom are you, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like I mean, just. Even as dads, when our, something as simple as our washer or dryer yeah. breaks, we ain't going to ask nobody to help. We're going to go home, pull every screwdriver Prime tool, example, right? tool out trying to fix it. Prime example. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is just pride sinks in of, and fear, mm-hmm. and shame um, of, I should know how to do this, or I don't want to ask anybody for help because I don't want to appear dumb or appear stupid, right? All that's pride. Um, or, you know, you feel guilty for not doing it, so you just continue to keep it, you know, concealed that you don't know how and tell yourself a lie that you'll figure it out. When Instead, what you could just say is, is, you know, this might not necessarily be my gifting, or I just don't have the experience for this yet. Like what we're doing right now. I mean, usually I'm sitting here saying – you know, I'm a rookie pastor. I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you some questions, right? Yep. What you could do is, is well, I might be a rookie, but I know everything. Yeah. You know? And I did that when I was a young pastor. Like, <laughs> I thought I knew everything. You know, what's funny is, is when I, there's two things. Um, I was a youth pastor for a very long time. I did not plan on ever pastoring what I called old people, um, which I'm referring to myself, like uh, just adults in general. Never planned on doing that. And when we had our first child, I was a youth pastor. We had Olivia and... I thought I knew everything about raising kids because I was a youth pastor to a bunch of teenagers, Yeah. right? And then after I had my kid, I realized I don't know nothing. Yeah, you You find out real quick. I thought I did. They test everything. Same thing happened with the church. You know, I thought because I was a youth pastor that I knew everything about starting a church, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know know this. You've done it before. Youth, Youth ministry people tend to think, oh, well, they don't know what they're doing. They should do it like this. We should do it like this. This is how it should be mm-hmm. done. You know, what I, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if I had my own church, this is how I'd do it. You know, like I wouldn't do this, and I wouldn't put up with that, and I wouldn't have these things. And so I thought as a, as a youth pastor starting a church, right, um, and I had, I had been out of youth ministry for a little while. Um, it's God had moved me in some different roles, but I've been a lifelong youth pastor in professional ministry. And so when we started the church, I was like, I know how to do all this. I know how to do a church. What are you talking about? And then 50 people in. I mean, I've said this before on the podcast. We were literally at 50 people. Mm. And I pulled those 50 people together, and I said, okay, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Right? Yeah. This is all I got. What I got us to hear, this is all I got. I don't got anything else. I mean, but then I still spent plenty of time not asking for help um, when I should have just asked for help. That God puts people in our lives on purpose for reasons. And by the way, I just said this today to um, a college uh, age girl in our um, 
in our church. Her name's Abby. Um, by the way, she was a, a college softball player, and she just recently switched to um, uh, like that track and field stuff, like where you take that big ball and you sling it. What's that thing called? Um, uh, you take that big, huge metal ball <laughs> or whatever it is. You sling, shot put. Yeah, shot, shot put. put yeah. She just changed to all that, right? New sport and everything. Oh She's a college gosh. athlete. Um, I just told her this this same thing um, just today. You know that that you know people God puts people in our lives, and it's amazing how He does it that we need. But He's even bigger than that because He doesn't just do it one sided; He does it mutually, mm-hmm. right? So He puts people in our lives where we both need each other, yes. right? And we both have strengths and weaknesses that we both need each other for those things. Mm-hmm. And, and God's just awesome like that. And so, Very much. you know, when we ask for help, when we actually break down and ask for it, God puts people in our lives for that. But then He's put us in our their lives for something significant too. And a mm-hmm. lot of times, it's completely mutual, yes. right? Like. I need help with this. I don't know how to do it or I'm drowning in it. And they need me to ask them to help with this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, and, and then I know something that they don't. And you know what I'm saying? Like God's yes. just awesome like that. And and you know, that's that's part of that's part of this whole thing coming together for the glory of God in a way that we don't really understand. And so when we fail to ask or well, I have failed to ask for help, um, and that's always been a problem of mine, by the way, all the way back to childhood. Um, when we fail to ask people for help, we are just throwing monkey wrenches into this thing that mm-hmm. we're pulling glory away from God in that in the moment, right? Yeah, you can never really move forward if you don't ask for help. You don't, and and we pull away for glory from God because He's got something cool set up if we just open our mouths and ask. Yep. You know, you know what I mean? Like He just does, and so um, I've regretted that one. Um, here's another one. So that's, so I'm on, this will be my last one. Oh no, I got maybe I got another one. All right. Um, <laughs> All right, let me recap real quick so I can get my head back straight. All right, so moving people into ministry too fast, yes. Um, Not asking for help, yes. Here's another one. Um, Not following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And and what I mean by that is, or a way it's shaken out, is not praying enough with the church and individually and with my family when it was time to make decisions or whatever and instead just kind of relying on my gut instinct or relying on my knowledge or Mm -hmm. what I thought was best and not really leaning into the Holy spirit enough. Um, and especially praying like, like I regret the years where we didn't pray enough together as a church, Yeah, you know, Uh, um, for sure. And there was so many things that we walked through that I think that if we would have prayed more and sought the guidance of the spirit more, we would have went about it differently. Right. Um, and it, I don't think it would have taken very long to figure out either. Like, yeah. you know, cause there was times where you just think, well, I know, like, I know, I know what to do. I've seen this before. I've been there before. I know how it's going to shake out instead of going, well, I might know, and it might be that, but let mm-hmm. me pause and, and declare once again, that I am not God and I don't know everything. <laughs> right. And then let me instead ask the God who does know everything mm-hmm. um, and who is in all things at all places and all times to give me the guidance and the wisdom in this situation to make this path straight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so many times that's been the case. Um, and I definitely regret that for sure. And that's something that we have really started to work on in the last few years personally and, mm-hmm. you know, as a leadership team and stuff like that. I mean, well, during during this whole trying to figure out what to do after COVID, you know, we were sitting around going, well, what are we doing ain't working. And so, 
my idea once again was to just try something else. Yeah. And one of our team members, one of our key leaders, one of the best leaders I know, she says, maybe we need to just ask God. Mm-hmm. You know, That's good. And I felt stupid because I'm like, I should have known that answer. <laughs> that almost goes I'm back a, to your last. <laughs> I'm kind of a pastor. I should have known it right. <laughs> should have known that. And so I'm like, well, yeah, that's a, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> like maybe what's wrong is is not what we're doing um is who we are. Maybe mm-hmm. what's wrong is is not what we're doing is what we're not doing. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe that's the problem. And sometimes you just need a reset to be able to do that. And so, you know, there was times where I made decisions based on what I thought um what I've experienced that I wish I would have just paused and said, God, is this the correct, is this right? You know what I mean? And, and sometimes like waited, you know, like Mm -hmm. God, we're not going to move on this unless, unless we feel like you're telling us to do it instead of me going, all right, time's ticking. We prayed, check, (laughs) (laughs) let's do what we said I was going to do. You know, something, we got to do something kind of idea. So I regret that. And then the last one um, is very personal to me. And something that I struggle with a lot, um, been working on this individually lately. Another one of those ministry moves that we've made that I regret. Um, once again, this is not an individual decision. It's like cumulative over time at different times. Was putting my family second place mm-hmm. um, to the church. Uh, that God held God held first place, and I. I felt pretty confident about that, that we've maintained that, that I've maintained that, my family's maintained that, that God is in first. Yes. Um, but I I very quickly put the church ministry in second instead of um, my wife, my children, my primary ministry responsibilities mm-hmm. of my household um, and just kind of going, well, daddy's got to do this and this is for God, so all this can wait or you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I could see how that would be a problem too because there's such an emotional tie to what you do every day, ministering to people and caring for people, and then time you get home at the end of the day, sometimes you just want to shut down, and then, then your family is not getting what they need from you, and that can be a lot of the case. And I know I you have, just to, said it. Yep. have to catch myself from doing it's that at times to do. too. It's easy to do, and it's also so easy to justify. People, it is so easy to justify, well, I'm doing this for God, so nothing else matters, Mm -hmm. or nothing else is as important. And that is one that's a a one-faceted approach to looking at it, and we serve a multifaceted God. Mm -hmm. We we cannot be that way. Um, You know, God's God's saying no no it's 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 not one or none it's all right yeah. like we say this all the time about um you know we serve people in our area right here in our backyard um and then we also serve people in third world countries right mm-hmm. so you and I just came back a couple weeks ago from you know building a house in Dominican um, in a bad place mm-hmm. and we sponsor we just talked about this a few minutes ago me and you personally we sponsor you know, kids and Compassion International. And every now and then you'll get somebody say to you, well, we got people in our back. We got kids in our backyard that are hungry. We got people in our backyard that need mm-hmm. houses. We should be going over there. And my reply back is, is look, look, it's not either or it's both. Yes. Right. And so when it comes to this, it's also like, you can't just justify, well, because I'm doing it for God, because I'm a pastor, because it's ministry, whatever it is, but for, cause it's for the church that that is somehow another, 
the be all end all that makes all the rest of that not important and all that other stuff should just serve that. God's like, no, 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 no. It's all these things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all these pieces. Um, and so I, you know, I, lots of times, man, lots of times I would, you know, um, I would pick late night evenings and working on stuff and go, oh, well, if my kids are asleep when I get home, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's just that's just not correct. And I wish I that's a regret I have. I wish I could change. But yeah. but once again though, I don't know if I'd go back and redo it because God's really grown me in that recently and I don't know if I would have grown any other way. Yeah. Um that makes sense. You know what I mean? So it's like um that those are those are big those are big regrets. Um and those, you know, it's like the question when you ask a question like this, it's like I mean, I can give you little I could give you little actual moments of ministry moves. You know what I mean? Like ministry moves I regret of mm-hmm. going into some building too quick or, you know, taking on this, doing this particular discipleship program or something. I'm sure those are all there. But these are the real ones. These are the underlying ones. You know what I mean? Yeah. These are the big ones. And they're recurring too. Like they're, they're, they're you see them in multiple areas, right? So mm-hmm. none of these are limited to a specific ministry area. They're just encompassing all of them. Um so if you didn't hear me, I'm going to recap them real quick, and then we'll wrap up. Um, we're doing pretty good on this time frame. So um, question was, what was the question again, Matt? It was, do you regret any of the ministry moves you've made? All right, here's the ones that we just talked about. Moving people into leadership too fast, not asking for help, not following the lead of the Holy Spirit, not praying enough or relying on God to make decisions instead of just doing them. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, putting my family second um, behind the church, making them, uh, the way my wife says it, receive the leftovers. Yeah. Right? That's Um, one thing you don't want to hear either. mm -mm. Not from your wife. Mm -mm. Mm -mm, Not at all. And and I have multiple Mm -hmm. times. My wife has said to me many times in our marriage and many times in the life of this church, um, we want the atom that everybody else gets. What we get, it feels like, is cold leftovers. Mm. That's tough. Mm, very tough. Um, and it just indicates that, you know, it's not her fault. It's not their fault. It's not God's fault. Right? It's not God's fault because he called me to, to do this and now I get to blame it on him that I you know, I don't have time for my family or I, I picked them second place or I give them, you know, when I get home, I do what you said and just kind of disappear. That's not their fault. It's my fault, right? Mm-hmm. It's not God's fault because he called you to something difficult, right? He didn't call you to something difficult just so you could abandon your primary ministry yeah, responsibility. You know what I'm saying? That's a lack of priorities. like, mm-hmm. um, And that means also limiting God, you know, that God could still do and grow and make the moves in the church happen while I take care of my family appropriately, yes. right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, those are the, my four. Um, I hope, great. <laughs> I hope you do not have those four in uh, 20 some years from now, Matt. Nope. So we figured this out. This is Matt. Now Matt's been in ministry, right? Like this is first full-time gig. Yes. Um, and I have been in full-time ministry for, uh, 23 years. So I'm hoping Matt 22 years from now. You don't say these same things. <laughs> You'll say some. Yeah. I just hope it's not these. Yeah. You're going to have regrets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's great. But uh, I think we should title it this. Like We should title it No Regrets. And no so regrets. people are like, hey, that's spelled wrong. We're like, oh, yeah, we regret doing that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you all. Um, 
check us out on social media and all those places. Um, uh, the Messy Walk Podcast is on Facebook, it's on Instagram. Review this thing, whatever it is. Rate it. I don't know what you call this stuff. Rate Share review. it with some people. <laughs> if you like it, if you don't like it, please don't rate it. Um, yes. But the, I'm just joking. Do whatever you need to do. <laughs> um, but we're thankful that you're here. We'll be back next week for episode, what's next week's episode? 98? Yes, 98. 98 for another question from a rookie. <laughs> to the veteran. <laughs> to the veteran. Uh, we'll see you next week. We'll talk to you later, guys. Right, Thank bye, you. Bye, y'all. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.